Apostle Mrs. Leanne Kofi, the founder and general overseer of the Lord's Garden Ministries, a ministry which is focused on bringing back the glory of God into the lives of people who have been battered by the world. She's a healing apostle and ministers powerfully to break people free from demonic oppressions. We believe you'll be blessed as you listen to today's word. Now, today's word. We worship you, King of Kings, and we worship you, Lord of Lords. You are the beginning and the end, my God of all things, the Alpha and the Omega. There is none that can compare unto you, O God. Your greatness is unsearchable. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Eternal God, we thank you this morning for the gift of life. Lord, it is indeed in you we live, we move, and we have our being. Lord, if we are alive to see today, it's purely because of your grace. And so this one, I pray that, Lord, let that grace, my God, come upon everyone that is joined in this worship, in every home, on the street, wherever anyone is joining this worship. This one, I pray that let the power of your divine grace and your favor fall upon your people, O God. I pray, Holy Spirit, our helper. I pray that, Lord, come upon everyone, every worshiper this morning. Grant unto every one of us the spirit of understanding. The Lord, in understanding your word, we may move according to your word and be bettered by it. Bless this service, O God. Release your power upon this service. Bless this vessel of clay, O God, and speak through these lips that your people may be edified, directed, O God, and strengthened. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a mighty clap offering wherever you are. Amen. Today I'm ministering on a word which I believe we might maybe minister in two parts because it's so important to life and I believe that there's no one who would want to be afflicted with poverty I'm talking about poverty today amen I'm talking about poverty most of the time we especially believers we have ways of claiming and naming and claiming I claim this I claim that but beloved yet we see that poverty seems to affect many and rule many throughout the world the one of the major problems of the world is poverty poverty is a pandemic that is bigger and more deadly than COVID-19 but yet most of the time it is overlooked if it doesn't affect people who can help but beloved I believe that with the spirit of understanding in God's word we can overcome poverty in our lives and also be of help to others God didn't create this world for anyone to be poor look around you look at everything that God has created in its natural state look at the order of creation when you look at how things work in sync with one another look at the times and the seasons look at the birds of the air look at the plants look at the different species of animals and sometimes you can see that there, there is that food chain 
that God has made naturally so that every animal and even every bird is fed. And as the Bible says, that if he cares so much about the bears of the air who do not sow nor reap, or the flowers in the field which come up beautifully in the morning, but in the even time they are withered away, if he cares to clothe them and make them so beautiful, because if you look at some flowers, amazing colors, beautiful, intricate designs. I mean, and you must definitely know that there's an architect behind this. There's an artist, a master planner behind that flower that you see. And he is God. But so if he cares so much about flowers that come up in the morning, but even time they are withered and dead, how much more you, man, whom he has created in his image and after his likeness. So definitely God doesn't want poverty for you. God doesn't want poverty for me or any of us. Amen. God has created the world in such a way that if man were to walk in the will and the word of God, none will lack and none will be poor. Hannah in uh, praise unto God in the book of First Samuel lifted up a praise and a thanksgiving unto God. And she said many profound things. But I just want to read the verse 7 and 8 of what she said in First Samuel chapter 2. She said, The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He brings low and he lifts up. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifted the beggar from the downhill to set them among princes and to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the Lord of the earth are the Lord's and he has set the world upon them. She says that it's God who makes poor and makes rich. He brings one low, he lifts another up, and he raises the poor from out of the dust, lifts the beggar from the dunghill that is a refuse dump, and sets them among princes. Talking about elevation. Amen. God elevates and can elevate anyone he chooses to. Amen. The will of God is that you and I may not lack. And so in the word of God, you see there are many, many verses that God talks about poverty. And in none of those verses do we see poverty or lack or need as a blessing. Amen. Indeed, Proverbs 10, 21 to 22 says that the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom, for lack of wisdom. So the blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he added no sorrow to it. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And no sorrow is added to it. Poverty, beloved, is not part of the blessing of God. Poverty, if we want to be real, is part of the curse of the Lord. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, a chapter which I believe every believer must read, the whole chapter. From the verse 38, he says that this part of the curse of the Lord, when we refuse to obey the word of God and do his commandments, he said, you will carry out much seed into the field, but gather very little in, for the locust shall consume it. You will plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink wine nor gather the grapes, for worms shall eat them. All thy trees and the fruit of thy land shall the locust consume. You shall, he shall lend to thee. That means somebody will lend to you. Your, the stranger, the, your, your neighbor will lend to you, but you will not lend to him. He shall be the head and you shall be the tail. That is, you will be a borrower. You will be in debt. And we find the scripture in the part of the chapter 
that is related to the curses of the law. Adam's judgment in Genesis chapter 3, when he and his wife Eve ate of the food that God said they shouldn't eat of, in their rebellion, God passed judgment on the serpent, on the woman, but on Adam, who God has placed in the Garden of Eden to be, to till the land, to be a gardener, to be a husbandman, God said to him, that because you have hearkened unto the voice of the, your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I commanded thee of saying, thou shalt not eat of it. He said, cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth unto thee, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shall thou eat bread, until thou return to the ground, for out of it was thou taken, and unto dust shall thou return. This was a curse against being fruitful. He said that he will sweat. From the sweat of his brow would he eat. And when he plants, instead of getting the fruit, the ground will bring forth to him thorns and thistles. That means that he wouldn't have a harvest. He would get very little. This is the curse of poverty that came with the fall of man. Amen. Poverty comes as part of the curse. But the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes rich, not poor. That is not to say that Anyone who is poor is cursed. No, that is not to say that. But curse, the curse of poverty is real. Amen. And it's, it was upon mankind until Jesus came. Poverty is not the will of God for his children. God doesn't like poverty. God doesn't want anyone to be poor. God doesn't want anyone to be poor or anyone to suffer. Amen. So he makes sure that the poor are provided for. When you go to the book of Leviticus, God gave certain commandments, certain laws that governed farming, that governed bringing in the harvest so that the poor would always have enough to eat. For example, Leviticus chapter 23 verse 22, God says, and when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not make clean riddance of the corners of your field when you reap. Neither should you gather any gleaning of the harvest. You shall leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God. What God meant was that, you see, when you have a farm and it's harvest time and you go to bring in your harvest, he said they should leave the four corners of the farm unharvested. They can harvest every part of their, their farm, but they should leave the four corners, the corners of the land unharvested. So that after the master of the land or the owner of the land has taken his harvest, the poor in the land can come and take what they call the gleanings for free. That was God's provision for the poor. Telling us that God doesn't want anyone to be poor or to lack, the poor to lack. Again, he says in Leviticus 19, 9 to 10, he said, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field. Neither shall you gather the gleanings. Don't take the gleanings. And you shall not glean your vineyard. Neither shall you gather every grape of your vineyard. But you shall leave them for the poor and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. So even when you have a vineyard, it says don't take all the grapes. Leave some. Amen. And this goes to those of us who eat everything that God gives us and never give to anyone. What God was saying was that provision should be made for the poor because God cares about everyone and God doesn't want anyone 
to lack. Amen. And there are laws, spiritual laws, that govern the poor and govern poverty. Amen. If our God was so, you know, so, wanted so much that people should have enough, that concerning the year of Jubilee, he said that if your brother out of poverty has sold his house to somebody in the year of Jubilee, if you have money, you are to buy that house and restore it to him. Amen. So that means God wants us to help one another so that we help each and each other out of poverty. Amen. Because poverty, beloved, is destructive. Many die because of poverty. There are many situations that come up just because of poverty. Many wars are fought just because of poverty. Amen. Bible says that the rich man's wealth is a strong city, but the destruction of the poor is their poverty. That means that poverty brings destruction. Poverty destroys homes. Many marital problems and fights between husbands and wives is about money. People dying needlessly in the hospital is about money. People not having enough to, to, to eat all comes out of poverty. And there are many situations that could easily be resolved, be solved, if only it wasn't for poverty. And if you go to any country or any place where there's poverty, you realize that sicknesses, all kinds of diseases prevail. It's terrible. But yet, Jesus said that the poor will always have amongst us. But then Jesus came to alleviate poverty. Hallelujah. Many times you hear many countries say, alleviation of poverty, alleviation of poverty, a scheme for alleviation of poverty. But poverty is never alleviated. Why? Because in the midst of the alleviation of poverty, there are greedy people who will take from the poor, who will steal from the poor. God doesn't want anyone to be poor. God doesn't want anyone to suffer poverty. So then why is there poverty? Why is there poverty? This is the, the, the word I'm bringing you today. Amen. So that we may be delivered from poverty and not go into poverty. Because today, if you are sitting pretty on some money, you may think that's the end of it. But so long as you are alive, beloved, you never know what will happen. But, beloved, there are spiritual principles, principles of the word of God that govern wealth, that govern money, that govern finances. And if we follow these principles, then will wealth come. And not wealth just come, but wealth will stay. Because, you see, it's not about having money today. It's about abiding wealth. I'm talking about generational wealth. Because we often see many people who have a lot of money. But one day, you realize that they, they become paupers. They are begging. We see many artists and um, sportsmen who used to earn millions. And before you know it, they said they are bankrupt. What happened? They are poor. What happens? It's because, beloved, the world is set on principles. Amen. If you have anybody there, tell them the world is set on principles. Amen. And breaking principles or not going according to principles will bring its consequences. It, it's, it's the natural laws that govern the world. Amen. So you can go and stand up on the top of a high building and say, Oh, I, I, I believe I can fly. I can believe I can fly. And jump and see whether you can fly. If you believe you can fly, just try it. You will not, you will not be able to fly because the, the law of gravity will take over. So you don't try those things. And that's why sometimes I tell people that you should know the difference between faith and presumptuousness. 
Some people do not walk in faith, they walk in presumptuousness. Amen. True faith brings forth miracles, births, goodness, presumptuousness sometimes can be destructive. Amen. There are things that tend to poverty. And I have with me about 10 things that tend, that, that will bring poverty to our lives. And I'm going to try to go through them in this sermon, but if not, the next week will continue. But I'm going to go as fast as I can. Amen. Because these are all based upon law and principles. Amen. The first one I want to talk about this morning is laziness. Or what the Bible calls slothfulness. Laziness. See, beloved, there's a principle of work. Amen. God wants man to work. When God created Adam, he, he put him in the garden and gave him work. He gave him an assignment. He gave Adam a job. He said, work till the land. Amen. And so Adam was a gardener or, or, or husbandman. Kept the garden. Amen. And God's word in the Ten Commandments is that six days we ought to labor and do all our work. That means God's expectation for us is that we should work. Exodus 20. That's when we was talking about the, the Ten Commandments. Say, six days you will work. Said you shall labor and work. And then he said, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not work, nor thy son, nor thy servant, your daughter, your maidservant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger that is within your gates. So God says that in the seven days of a week that he's given, six days are for work. And one day, the seventh day is for rest. That is a Sabbath unto God. But there are some people who choose six Sabbath days and one day for work. Sometimes they, they, they think that life itself is a long Sabbath. And we expect manna to fall from above. It doesn't work. Amen. We need to work. Paul, talking to the Thessalonians, said that if anyone does not work, he mustn't eat. Amen. A lot of people have excuses not to work. Whenever you have an excuse not to work, beloved, poverty will come upon your life. Poverty will come upon you. Amen. Because if you don't work and you expect to have, you expect to eat, then that means that you're expecting to either beg or steal. You are, you are either begging or you are stealing, which both are wrong. God wants us to work. So we must get it in our mind that we will work in order for poverty to stay far from us. I've come to a realization that a lot of people who want to work according to what they have studied. But beloved, if you look at the times in which we are in now, especially in America, millions of people have lost their jobs. And I found out that many of them have gone into what used to be their hobbies. I've read about women who know how to bake are now baking and selling. I've heard about people who hold PhDs now working in the grocery store, packing groceries. Changing times, beloved, calls for changing acts. The fact that you hold a doctorate, a PhD, a master's, a BA, doesn't mean that if you do not get a job that will pay you the salary of a master's holder or a PhD holder or whatever, you shouldn't work. Rather than sit at home and complain and murmur that I don't have a job, I don't have a job. You can find a job that might not pay you as much as what your 
uh, credentials will pay you or a job that is not even in the line of what you have studied, but nevertheless will put food on your table. It will be better than to beg and it will be better, beloved, than to steal and much more better than to wallow in poverty. But it is the lazy man who says, I cannot work. Proverbs 26, 13 to 16. In fact, the book of Proverbs is amazing. It teaches so much life lessons. He says, the lazy man, the slothful man says, there's a lion in the wing. A lion is in the streets. As the door turns its hinges, so does the slothful man on his bed. So he said, a lazy man, instead of going to work, we say, oh, there's a lion on the street, so I can't go out. I'm afraid there's a lion that will, 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 will devour me. But there's no lion. That is an excuse not to work. And he said the lazy man will also lie on his bed and turn left, turn right, changing gears and snoring. Whilst people are working, they are sleeping. And he says like how the hinge of a door goes. That's how they, they sleep. He said the slothful hides his hands in his bosom. It, it even, it's too much. It grieves him to bring it to his mouth. The lazy man hides his hands. And even to bring his hands to his mouth to eat is a problem. And he said the, the sluggard, the lazy man, is wiser in his own conceit than seven men can render a reason. If you meet anybody who is lazy, they are very lippy. Why they can't work, why they don't get a job, and why this and why that. They have many reasons, but these are excuses not to work. Beloved, when your life is full of excuses not to work, you are being lazy. And poverty will come upon you quickly, not slowly. Because, you see, to every person, there is a, there, so long as you are able-bodied, there's something you can do. I've even seen people who are not able-bodied, but they are using whatever part of their body is functional to do something, to work, to make a living. But we have able-bodied people who will not work, who will sit at corners of houses playing dummy or chess or ludo or whatever from morning to evening. Grown-up men, strong men, men sitting at bars, women the same. Beloved, poverty will come upon you. But I pray God that after hearing this word, you will rise up out of slothfulness. And you know, people take, people take offense to when you say they are being lazy. But truth must be told. Amen. Because sometimes the, 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 the excuses we have are nothing but laziness. But if you get up and find something to do, and there's something that you can do. I always tell the church that I know a gentleman who sold Obroniwe with socks, second-hand socks, and built a three-bedroom house in Medina. He was so good at his sales, took it seriously, and he built a house. And I've known people who had tons of money who never even laid a foundation. Laziness. Laziness will bring poverty. I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice tonight, this morning, that if there's even an iota of a lazy bone or laziness in you, may you be delivered from it. May you be delivered from it. And for us as a nation in Ghana, I believe we are the only nation sometimes who people have, in which people have one job. These days, I see that the young men are trying. They have, they have what they call their side hustle, which is good. But in most countries, you realize that most people, and some people have two jobs. 
Some people have two, some even have three jobs. Just to make sure that they don't just make ends meet, but they have an overflow. Life is not just about making ends meet. When you are making ends meet, you have just enough. How can you be a blessing to somebody with just enough? But God wants to bring you to the place of more than enough, where you are blessed to become a blessing. May we be delivered from the spirit of laziness. May poverty be far from us. May we be hardworking people. You know, because the thing is that there's no work that does not pay. It might not pay how much you want it to pay, but in a way, it will bring something to you. Let's not let laziness bring poverty upon us. The second thing I want to talk about is withholding from God. Withholding from God. God is the owner of the heavens and the earth. This earth belongs to the Lord. No matter what anybody says. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The heavens is a stone, but the earth is his footstool. And he's given the earth to the sons of men. He is the land owner. He owns the earth. Hallelujah. And everything in it. Praise the Lord. And the Bible says that we should honor the Lord with our substance. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10, I read. It says, honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruit of thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty and thy wine presses burst out with new wine. When we honor God with our substance, amen, and the first fruit of our increase, the best of our increase, Bible says that our barns will be filled with plenty. We will have in abundance. How many of you, if you don't own your own house and you are renting a property, can tell your landlord, I'm not paying rent, I'm living in this for free? It just won't do. Even if you own your own house, you do pay property tax. Because there's a government that is in charge of this nation. How much more the owner of the earth in which you are in. Beloved, withholding from God will bring poverty to you. Amen. Withholding from God. Withholding from people will also bring poverty to you. Amen. Proverbs 21.13 says that whoever stops his ear at the cry of the poor, he shall also cry himself. And shall not be heard. Amen. When you withhold from God, poverty will come upon you. Let's I'll go back into that. Because there are very sensitive issues concerning withholding from God or giving to God. A few weeks ago, I saw that somebody interviewed the Archbishop Nicholas Duncan Williams about the, um, it was an interview, but he talked about the tithe. And it's gone viral. Many people say all kinds of things. But you know something? That is the truth of the matter he spoke. If you are a believer, if you believe that God is the owner of this world and you don't tithe, it doesn't affect the church. It affects you. Amen? It affects you. Because it's a, it's a, it's a principle. And some will also say, oh, tithing is in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament. I don't find tithing in the New Testament, so I won't tithe. Well enough. There are other scriptures in the Old Testament which you quote every day. I shall be the head and not the tail. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Why don't you take those also out and say they are in the Old Testament? So we pick and choose what we want to do and what we will not do. But tithing is a godly principle. The owner of this world says, I have given you everything. I have given you breath. 
I've given you strength. Work. Get you know, everything. Eat freely. But of all that I give you, eat, consume, enjoy the nine-tenth. Give me one-tenth. And you say, no, I won't give one-tenth because it is my money. I work for it. You work for it. Who gave you the strength to work? Who gave you the air to breathe? Can you imagine if you had a meter put on your nose for you to breathe? How would you pay? In the, this past time with this coronavirus, ventilators until a few weeks ago were the issue. Nations were looking for ventilators. And ventilators are expensive just so that people could be able to breathe. How about you who are breathing freely? Who gives you that free breath and the ability to breathe? It is God. And so if his word says that one-tenth of all that he gives to you, give back to his house so that they will meet in his house and you say you won't. It's fair. He owns your life. And it is he who lifts one up and brings one down. So he can make all the arguments you want. Insult pastors as much as you want, beloved. It doesn't affect any pastor. I've not seen any church in which anybody said, I won't tithe, and the church has collapsed because somebody didn't tithe. It doesn't affect God's work. Because at the end of the day, God provides for his work. What one man fails to do, God will pass you over, bless somebody else so much, and that person will cover every expense of his work. But the blessing will be upon that person, and poverty will come to you. And that is not a curse. It's a word of God. I'll get to it. But he who closes his ears to the cry of the poor, Bible says he himself shall also cry and not be heard. Sometimes your cry will not be for money. Your cry will be maybe for healing. Your cry might be for help in another area of your life. But because you stop your ears to the cry of the poor, God will also shut his ears to your cry in that day. I found this scripture years ago in the early days of ministry, and it, it wowed me. Listen to it. Proverbs 19, 17, he says that, In he that hath pity upon the poor lends to God, and that which he hath given, God will pay him again. Anyone that has pity on the poor person and gives to the poor, the Bible is saying that that person is lending to God, and God will repay you what you lend to the poor person. Hiya, Baba. Can you imagine you, a mortal man, paying, or God paying you, or God owing you, a mortal man? It, I found it an amazing scripture. And I said, the Lord, I want you to owe me every day of my life so that whenever I need anything, you will fully supply. And when God is supplying, beloved, he supplies good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. This morning, I was with the bishop also on his wonderful Sunday morning live church service on Adum FM. And I was talking about provision for women who take care of families, children. And the way that the, the prophetic that God gave me to say to every woman was that help will come. Help will come. And help will come. Because you see, if you take care of the poor, God will take care of you. It's a principle 
It's a word of God. It's God's heart. And so people whose life tend to poverty are people who also withhold from the poor. But when you learn to help the poor, give to the poor, God will repay you and he will pay you in excess. Hallelujah. Poverty comes upon people who withhold from God and withhold from the poor or the needy. Sometimes it's not even the poor alone that you withhold from. Some withhold from their very own flesh. And Isaiah 58 talks about the true fast. God said that the true fast is not when you, you know, don't eat and you, you make your face dry and you are praying and you are tonguing, brain tongues. He said the true fast is that you give to those who do not have. Amen. And that you, 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 don't, you don't withhold from your own flesh, from the needy. Some people are mean to their husband, to their wives, to their children. Some are mean to their house helps. Some are mean to their workers. Some are just plain mean. Nobody ever says thank you to you. Watch out. Because poverty will creep upon you. Because God didn't give you whatever he's giving you for you alone. It's not about me, myself, and I. I'll come to the point where I'll tell you about stewardship. And you understand that you are a steward of everything that God has given you. You are just a steward. Amen. Poverty comes upon those who withhold from God and withhold from others. Lack of wisdom also brings poverty. Bible says that it's through wisdom that a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with treasure, pleasant and precious riches. Wisdom builds up. Lack of wisdom tears down. Some people walk in strong lack of wisdom where finances are concerned. And when you are not wise with whatever God has put in your hands, whether much or little, beloved, poverty can creep upon you. Some people are just not wise in spending. They buy wants. Want, I want this, I want that. They buy everything they see. There was a time in my life where God taught me certain fundamental lessons about wealth creation. And he says that there are often times we must just think about our needs and not wants. Amen. God says that he will supply every need of us according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. But beloved, when you are faithful with God, God will provide your need. And a time will come when you come to the place of the overflow where even your wants are supplied. But beloved, if you want to build up wealth and not land in poverty, stop buying wants and just concentrate on your needs because that is sufficient for you. People buy just out of, you know, will. People also buy out of envy. Look at what people have. You can't afford it, but you want it. Poverty will come upon you. Maybe we be delivered from lack of wisdom. Amen. Poverty also comes upon a man or comes upon people because of curses. And the curse I'm talking about was what I was talking about. About the curse of the, the non-tither. Malachi 3, 8 to 14. I want to read. He says, will a man rob God? And you say, how have we robbed you? God said, but yet you have robbed me. And you ask, how have we robbed you? That's what he's saying. And then God says, in tithes and in offerings. Then God says, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me. You have robbed me because you have robbed me. You have stolen from me, even this whole nation, this whole people. They said, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, 
that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be enough room to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruit of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast their fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, and you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, most of the time, we end here, but listen to the rest. The verse 13. He says, your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. And you say, what have we spoken so much against you? And he says, you have said, it is vain to serve the Lord. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? This is what is happening. God says, you have robbed me. The people say, how have we robbed you? They say, because you have not brought me my tithe and my offering. And then he says that, Bring all your tithe and your offering to my house, the place of my worship, and prove me and see, test me and see, if I will not open the windows of heaven upon your life. And he says that I will pour you out blessing, and you will not even have enough room to contain the blessing. It will be so much. Then he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast a fruit before the time in the field. And this is what the archbishop said. And people said he's saying that if you pay your tithe, the devil will not get you. Listen, it's not the archbishop. It's the way. Beloved, we, what we see in life is very little compared to what we don't see. There is an adversary, a devourer who devours. And what God is saying is that when you bring your tithes to him, he, the owner of everything, he who gave you what you have in the first place, will bless you. He opened the windows of heaven and bless you more. And above that, that which will cause a drain, that which will destroy the enemy of your life, the devil, the adversary, who will want to take from you. For Jesus said in John 10, 10, that the thief cometh not but for to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He said that he will rebuke him, the devourer, so that he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. He will not destroy your life. He will not destroy your vine in the field before the time of harvest. There will be no prematurity, no premature death, no destruction, no sudden calamities will come upon you. This is, and, and he keeps on saying, say the Lord your God. It's not man. It's not pastors. It's come to a time where pastors, we don't want to talk about tithing. I don't want to talk about it often because when you talk about it, it's like, oh, eh, I saw for no, no. Pastors, they want our money. No. You see, we want to teach you the way that will help you. As I said before, with or without your tithe, the work of God moves on. One person can tithe and be of help to a church. One person. God blesses people like that. So your little tithe that you are bringing in, or your much tithe you are bringing in, will not make a difference. It is the work of God. But you see, God says that when he said all this thing, then he says that, your words have been stout against me. That's what I'm saying. But your words have been stout against me. You have spoken against me. And the people ask, what have we said against you? What have we said against you? Exactly what people are saying now. Exactly what you, you, the one I'm talking to, is saying now. I will not pay my tithe. And this and that. And the principle of tithe is this. And that. 
God says your, your word has been stout. And he, and he said that, he explained to him, he said, you have said it is vain to serve the Lord. Bringing your tithe and your offering is a service to the house of God. And you say, what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance? The principle of the tithe is an ordinance. In the same way that taking of communion is an ordinance. But we will take the communion and leave the tithe. We want to take the things that we want, the things that we think is a blessing to us, but not the things that we will give out so the work of God will go on. Beloved, in the past three months, church buildings, and I, don't, I, I won't say the church because the church can never be closed, but church buildings have been shut because of coronavirus. And rightly so. These are measures to keep human life safe and to bring down coronavirus's, you know, infection of people. And people have complained, people have murmured, people are angry, some are sad, some miss church. So you see, now I believe a lot of you are realizing that you need the church. When the church was open and you could come to church at will, you didn't value it. And you won't pay your tithe. But who should pay for the lights in the church to be kept on? Who should tithe for, for the church to be run? Because even though the church is a spiritual body, it is also an organization. Jesus said that you are in the world, but you are not of this world. We are in this world. And so you can't go to ECG and say, because we are doing the work of God, we should have free electricity. It doesn't work. We are in the world. And so somebody needs to bring in the tithe. Somebody needs to bring in the offering. And by the way, let me tell you, the offerings never built up a church. Because it is free will. People give at will. And often, it's not much. We build the church and we run the institution of the church with the tithe. But you say, we will not keep that ordinance. But you will keep the ordinance of the communion. You are sick. You will call for the pastor. Pastor, come and pray for me. And the pastor will come with the ordinance of the laying on of hands with anointing, anointing with oil, and lay hands on you and pray for you to be healed. You love that one. But the same thing, your tithe is an ordinance. We pick and choose. And that's what God is saying that. You say it is vain to serve the Lord. And what profit do we have when we keep this ordinance? So even when God was giving instruction in the book of Malachi 3, the Israelites were doing the same thing that people are doing today. But as I say, it is to your benefit. If you refuse to tithe, it's okay. But understand that the devourer has a full avenue to devour. Have you realized, for those of you who tithe, have you realized sometimes when you miss your tithe and you, you, you know, put your tithe somewhere and before you know you've squandered it, that is the time when either your car condition is gone bust. That's the time when suddenly something breaks down. Those of you who live abroad, your radiator is gone. And this is gone. And before the end of the month, you spent more on repair work than your time would have been. It happens. I know. I know a lady who went for driving tests, I think in London. And she failed nine times. Can you imagine? Nine times. And I think it cost... And that I don't know whether it was 100 pounds or 50 pounds, I forgot. But she paid for every test she did, she paid, and she failed. She failed and failed and failed. Her pastor is my friend. Until one day, 
at the ninth failure, the pastor said, I don't know. We've been praying. We've been fasting for you, for you to pass this test. How come you always fail it? Then suddenly, the Holy Spirit dropped into it. He said, hey, do you tithe? He said, oh, no. You don't? That's why you're Go and tithe. If he said to her, go and put together the months in which you have not tithed and take it to the storehouse, the house of God, and then go and book for another test. The tenth time she passed. And this is not a, a story. It's real. So, beloved, it's to your interest. But not tithing will open the door of poverty because not tithing brings a curse. And it's not the curse of man that we can come as pastors and say, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, we break this curse over your life. It is a curse of God himself because you have robbed him. You have stolen from him. Let us repent, beloved. If only we want to come out of poverty and stay out of poverty, be truthful with God. Because some people don't even tithe. They tip God. I'm surprised I'm preaching all this because my message is there, but I, I feel to go here. Listen. Some people tip God. Your tithe is a tenth of your increase. And you think it's too much to give to church, to God's work. And so you take from the tithe a portion and you bring it to the house of God. God knows because he knows how much he gave you. So God doesn't consider that a tithe. God considers that as a tip. You tipped God. And can you tip God? But we try to. We rob God. And poverty comes upon us slowly and then quickly. And that kind of poverty, beloved, is drastic. That's why you see many businesses collapse. That's why you see many people who had a lot suddenly come to nothing. Because they ate their seed and they ate their bread. But to everything, there's a seed. If there must be a continual cycle, a harvest, there must be a seed that is planted. You have a purple fruit, you eat it, and you say that the, the seeds are good for intestinal, whatever. So you dry it, you blend it, you drink it, and then you don't have any seed to plant another purple when that old one is gone. How will you get more purple? So to everything that God gives you, there's a seed within it. And the principle of seed, time, and harvest is right within that seed. That's another message for another time. Let's go on. But poverty comes upon those who refuse to obey the ordinances of God where tithing is concerned. Borrowing and living or buying on credit also brings poverty. In some parts of the world, there's what we call the credit system. It's like everybody is living on credit because they use a credit card. And you are encouraged to, to spend more than you have. And people get sucked into it. So, so you see somebody, they're living in a big house, driving big flashy cars, but they own none of it. None of it belongs to them. And so I tell, you know, Ghanaians that you, you are blessed in this nation because the credit system is not so much. Even though it exists, at least when you are building your house, it may take you 10 years sweating to build it. But when you're finished, it is yours. Unlike where people on, buy buildings on credit, and after living in your home for 15 years, because you couldn't make three months payment, because you're supposed to pay your mortgage, after missing three months payment, your house is taken from you, repossessed. Poverty has crept upon you. Beloved, stop borrowing from people. 
the, the, the lifestyle of borrowing, you have to end it. If you are in the habit of borrowing, or you've got into the cycle of borrowing, you can't come out suddenly, but make an attempt to withdraw slowly by cutting down what you buy so that your debt becomes smaller and smaller until you don't owe anyone. The Bible says, Oh, no man, nothing except love. Amen. Don't buy what you don't have money to buy. Don't buy on credit because it is vanity. If it's medicine, it's another matter. But then if it's for a dress or a bag or a cloth to take to a funeral, when the lockdown is lifted, beloved, <laughs> ladies, ladies, we, we love that. Stop. Because it tends to poverty. To be in debt tends to poverty. And the one who is... A borrower is a slave, a servant to the lender. But you and I are not slaves. You are a free man. Jesus Christ has come to make you free. Stop the habit of borrowing. And sometimes people borrow, buy on credit just for the show. To, to show people that they are, they are all right. They have this, they have that. It's totally unnecessary. Who cares what you have? Nobody cares. It may look good. You may get a fame or you may get a flash, but at the end of the day, when your creditors are coming, it is you who suffers. Let's walk in wisdom, the wisdom of God, and buy what we can afford, not what we want or what we see other people buying. Don't borrow. Stop borrowing. Try and get out of debt. Stop buying on credit. It never helped anyone. The credit system never helped anybody. It turns to poverty. And the more your credit, the more you credit, the more you borrow, the quicker you come down. It is going beyond your means. Amen. Don't go beyond your means. Proverbs 21, 17 says that, He that loveth pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. Going beyond your means. Unnecessary expenditure. The high life, as I call it. And some will not just borrow for the high life. Some will even steal for the high life. That's why we have so much corruption in this nation. Because of the high life. The show. But if every man will live according to his means, beloved, it will be well with us. Amen. And remember this. The riches are not forever. And Bible says in Proverbs 27, 24, listen, it says, for riches are not forever. And the crown does not endure to every generation. Today you might be wearing a crown, but tomorrow that crown may fall off. Riches are not forever. So in the time when God puts something in your hands, there's a need to apply wisdom to its use. Hallelujah. Do not spend more than you have. Do not borrow to eat. Do not borrow to make a show. Amen. Eat what you can afford. In our times in Ghana, we no longer eat our healthy local food. Everybody wants to eat fast food and people are going to this and what and what. And you know, please, 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 please. Our mothers and our fathers, they brought us up on good healthy food. And if only we go back to it. Today we have young men and women who earn 
you know, a basic salary, but lunchtime they want to go to a, a, you know, a restaurant. The wise ones have bought their coffee broke man, and then they quietly sneak somewhere, eat it and drink their water, so they can save their money to build a house. And you see your friends building, and you are spending your money on the high life. Wisdom, Abu says, is a principal thing. Beloved, poverty will not come upon you if you walk according to the principles that I'm talking about this morning. Amen. I want to end on this one. Next week, by the grace of God, we will go into other things that bring us into poverty. But my heart and my desire, according to the word that the Holy Spirit has given me, is that we all will learn to come out of poverty. That if we go according to the word of God, come out from the spirit of laziness and all the things I'm talking about this morning. Beloved, bit by bit, you will come out of that situation, of, that, of poverty, the place of the not enough, the place of the more than enough. You started well, but the thing is not about starting well. It's about ending well. Amen. Poverty is a spirit. But do you know something? For the born again believer, Jesus has come to redeem us from the spirit of poverty, from the curse of poverty. But if we do not follow the principles, we will wallow in poverty. Amen. We will wallow in poverty. Even though in principle, we have been redeemed from poverty. But if you do not order your life aright, poverty will creep upon you. But as I said in the beginning, that is not the will of God for your life. He said, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he added no sorrow to it. Beloved, this morning I pray that may this word sink deep within your heart. I pray that you will not just reject the word, but I pray that you will receive the word and go back to your, to, to, to your closet and think about it. This is not a word that we, we just kabo, kabo, kabo on it. No. It's a word for reflection. It's a word for thought. And it's a word that ought to change our lifestyle. Change our mindset. Change us so that our situations can be changed. He says that he lifts the beggar from the dust. Amen. And sets him among princes. God is able to increase you financially. God is able to lift you up from the, the place of poverty. But then these principles, these godly principles must be obeyed, must be kept in order to bring you out of poverty. May the Lord deliver us all. May the Lord help us. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise the Lord. This morning you want to lift up your two hands unto the Lord. You want to lift up prayer for your life. And the prayer I want you to pray this morning is to ask God for wisdom, for help. I've heard your word this morning, O oh God. The word is like a mirror, the Bible says. Any man that looks into the mirror of the word of God and sees his face and sees that there's something that ought to be fixed and doesn't fix it, there's a name for that person. But when we look into the mirror of the word and we see our face, we see everything clearly and we realize that there's something that needs to be changed, wisdom will tell us to change it. So this morning, as you lift up your hands unto the Lord, close your eyes wherever you are and reflect briefly on that which I have said and see yourself in the mirror of the word of God.
Have you been slothful? Have you been lazy? Have you been lazy? Have you left things to be without making an attempt to work, to create wealth? Think about it. Have you been mean, wicked, not giving to your brother, not giving to the poor? Have you been selfish? Have you been hard-hearted? The poor cry, you do not hear them. People ask you, you don't give them. Even though you have it to give. Is that you? Think about it. Think about it. Have you withheld from God? Are you a tither? Do you pay tithe? How much of your money goes to helping the work of God? And how much of your money goes to helping others? Think about it. Or do you just store it for story's sake? So you look on your figures <coughs> and are happy. And that is what a lot of people do. They look on their figures and they are happy. Reflect on it. Close your eyes. Thank you, Jesus. Are you spending in lack of wisdom? Spending your money, your time on things that do not profit? Think on those things. Think about it. Are you a God robber? We have armed robbers. We have God robbers. Of all that God has given you, do you tithe? Do you give your tithe to the Lord? But yet you say you are a believer. And a believer ought to believe the totality of the word of God. From Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> Some people are called part believers. They believe what they want to believe. Are you a true believer? Are you do a doer of the word of God? Do you keep all the ordinances of God? Are you given to borrowing? Buying on credit? Things. Just for people to see that you also have arrived, as people say. Do you go beyond your means? Are you living beyond your means or outside of what you can afford? These things bring poverty. As you look into the mirror of this word of God this morning, I want you to talk to God yourself. Talk to God. Talk to God. And wherever you see a mark, Wherever you see a stain, wipe it off. Talk to God. Thank you, Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you get a mind change this morning that you will do the will of God. That it may be well with you. God doesn't want you poor. God doesn't want you lacking. God wants you to have an abundance. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, this morning we thank you for your word, my God. Thank you, my God, for your word that comes, my God, to bring us to where you want us to be. Thank you, Lord. I pray over your people this morning. The Lord, in your blessing over their lives, let them also follow and obey the principles of your word. That, Lord, it may be well with them. I pray, my God, that, Lord, you bring your people out of the place of lack, the place of poverty. My God, the place of need. And Father, I pray that Lord, let them come into the fullness of everything that you have for them. And as I pray, Lord, I pray not just for financial poverty alone, but some are poor in spirit. Some have no joy, no peace of mind because they do not follow your principles. This morning, I pray that have mercy upon us, O God. And grant us, O God, a heart that follows after your word that does your will 
that it may be well with us, O God, and that your name may be glorified. Lord, I pray, commanding your blessing upon your people this morning. So your blessing, it makes rich, and no sorrow is added to it. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's word. Connect with us on our website, www.tlgm.org. Get interactive with Apostle on all social media platforms at Apostle Leanne Coffey.